0: Today, we are going to talk about the Blue Ocean strategy. We started to talk about that already last week. And um, yeah, we dived a little bit into um, how the Red Ocean works in the gaming industry and that, um, yeah, you're competing with a lot of different games and how you can incrementally improve your product in that that market space that you are already in, for example. So that is especially important for... uh, creating expansions or so um, where you are already in a very saturated market and we looked at uh, Magic the Gathering and how they yeah how they managed to um, create new kind of um, expansions for their game over and over again that are um, yeah still interesting and um, yeah attracting attracting people so how they are going to extend their design space um, step by step and um, yeah try to innovate um, in, yeah, let's say the space that they have available. But today we want to um, yeah look a little bit into the topic of creating a completely new blue ocean for your game. Okay, so let me briefly um, repeat what uh, red and blue ocean actually means. So um, that entire blue ocean strategy is kind of a business strategy that came out, yeah, several years ago. Um, it was it was hyped in the past. I think it is less hyped now. But um, I think it's a great tool um, to yeah to define innovative products and market segments. So um, it divides yeah the. Let's say the markets into two different markets. The first one is the red ocean, which is some kind of an existing market space where there are already, um, yeah, defined and accepted industry standards and boundaries, um, and there is a lot of competition in the market. Um, that means the water is bloody red from all of the competitors and sharks that are fighting over the over the customer in that um, in that ocean, and um, yeah growth and um, yeah profits in that market are yeah kind of limited or restricted to the to um, to the existing market boundaries the blue ocean on the other side um, is defined by new market space um, and uh, there is less competition in that market space and competition is all almost irrelevant um, in a blue ocean because there are no competitors uh, there yet so the customers really need to perceive your product as completely um new and um it should be a bit of kind of difficult for them to to find another product that they can compare it to um on the spot um And in that market, there is, of course, there is significant opportunity for profitable growth because, um, yeah, there is less competition there in the market. And you also try to to attract um, a lot of new customers to that market. So, um, yeah, while the Red Ocean really focuses on existing markets and thinks about how you can compete, and beat the competition um, or maybe also exploit existing demands on customer side it is um, on the blue ocean strategy it's really about identifying new markets and yeah avoid the competition by moving into the, those new markets and creating those new markets yourself um, so your goal is to need to you need to find some kind of unsatisfied demand in that area and that's the goal for our session today so we are going to um, talk about the methodology and the tool and how you can use it to identify new blue ocean markets for your game Um, and yeah we want to do this in um, in several steps today i think i defined five steps for that Um, and they are mainly about um they will not cover the entire blue ocean strategy yeah just to, to to tell you that in the beginning um they are more of um let's say tackling the core concept of the of the methodology and um the goal is really to uh to to teach today a little bit how to create a strategy canvas for um for your game and um yeah talk about four different actions that you can use to create value curves in that strategy canvas. So if that uh, yeah sounds kind of weird to you at the moment, no worries, we are going to dive into that um, in a second and I'm going to explain um, it step-by-step step so that you can um, use it for yourself. If you are interested to, um, yeah, to follow the steps um, and immediately apply it to your own game, I would recommend that you download uh, the um, presentation that I've created for that. Um, It is just a simple, simple tool to um, guide you through the different steps that we are going to talk about today. It's nothing special. It's nothing that I (laughs) invented. I just applied the tool to the, or the methodology to the gaming industry and um, defined a few steps that I went through to, um, yeah. To define the market for um, for our game Mindbug, and um, yeah, I think this um, could help you to apply the methodology to for your game as well, or to you, your game as well. And um, yeah, if you want to um, download the presentation or get the link to the presentation, just with uh, the website um, nerdlikeboss.com/slash blue ocean. That is nerdlikeaboss.com slash ocean, Or follow the link in the show notes, which will um, yeah point you directly into that, uh, to that website that uh, will give you the link to the presentation. Okay, so now let's dive into the topic. So we want to define our blue ocean. How are we going to do that? The first step is to to define your markets. And I say markets in plural because it's not only one market that we are going to look at, um, we are going to look at several markets. And um, this is our initial step. The main goal really is to yeah to define your target audience. And um, in case of game design, these different markets uh, for me represent game genres. And what I mean by that is that you should probably already have some kind of game genre in mind that you are uh, developing a game for. So that could be, um, I don't know, a strategy card game, how it is in my case. Or it could be, I don't know, it could be a a tower defense game or it could be um, a, a a kids RPG game. I don't know. There are so many genres for game design uh, for board games and card games. Um, you probably know best which one is um, the primary market you are shooting for. But that's not the only kind of market that you should have in mind when you design the game. There are also um, the other markets that are relevant. To, to look at. And th- those are the markets that your target audience might also be attracted by. So let's take the example of um, a strategy card game. Let's say we look at, for example, our primary market could be trading card games like Magic or Hearthstone or whatsoever. And our um, secondary market, could also be i don't know very closely related something like let's say living card games or it could also be casual card games for example um, it could also be casual drafting games to make it more specific to say to, we want to include games like um, sushi go or or others or it could be um that our uh, Secondary market is something like um, a standard card game. It could also be our tertiary market. So let's let's say uh, players who like to play magic probably also kind of like to probably enjoy playing poker or so. Okay, that is one way of doing that, of identifying your primary, secondary, and tertiary market. So by looking at one kind of primary market you know really well, And then think about what kind of games from other game genres um, do the typical players play also. But there are also other ways of identifying your three markets. Um, You could also think about um, two different kind of games and genres you would like to combine. Let's say I want to build a, um, a strategy card game with... Um, kind of a puzzle game then your primary market would be strategy card games your secondary market could be puzzle games for example and um, yeah and and so on there's a, it, I mean it's often the case that when people start designing games they have two games in mind which they want to combine in some way so um, that's also one of the reasons why I think you should have more than one market in mind when you uh, when you start to um, to work on the blue ocean strategy. But you could also look at um, it from another perspective. So not only looking at different game uh, genres, for example, not only looking at um, alternative uh, games, you could also look at completely alternative. Industries, for example, you could your secondary market could be I don't know, let's say movies also, um, or specific kind of movies because um, yeah, instead of playing a game, your customers could also I don't know go to the movies also. Um, it should make sense to some degree, so the the products, services, or markets you compare should be kind of uh, complementary. Yeah, so there should be some relation um, between them. But you could also um, look across the, the 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 chain of buyers, or look across the time. So um, let's say when someone plays a strategy card game, there are also um, other things that um, those buyers might. Buy around those uh, th- this product. So, for example, it could be that they buy kind of sleeves or um, kind of specific storage um, uh, packages for for the game to to make it easier to play the game. Or um, there could be the the secondary market because uh, the cards have some kind of value. They are trading cards and um, there is a secondary market where those players uh, trade those cards with other players or sell those cards. So all of that could be areas that you add as your primary, secondary and tertiary market. And uh, once you have done that, um, you are going to research those markets. Um, And you do that it is not, you are not completely researching the entire market. Um, The goal really is to identify one or two games or products or services of those markets um, and um, yeah, make them the poster child for that market. So uh, the two games of each market should be kind of different, though they should not be identical in all of their um, aspects. So. For example, for um, when I applied those this methodology to Mindbug, I used the markets trading card games, um, living card games, and yeah, casual card games. And then I identified different products in those uh, markets that I wanted to use for my comparison. So I identified Magic the Gathering and... Um, In my case, also a digital game like Hearthstone. For the trading card genre, I identified um, for the living card games, Arkham Horror and Lord of the Rings as different products. And I also identified um, um, Carnival of Monsters, King of Tokyo as my casual card games Um, because they also have a lot of strategic depth and they go into the direction um, of um, talking to another customer group. And that was important to me to also um, analyze. Okay, so what's your task? Your task is to identify the three different markets for your game, step one. And um, the second step is to identify one or two products uh, for each um, market and um, yeah, write them down. That's uh, quite quite an easy task, isn't it? So the, difficult, the more difficult ones come later. Okay, so once you have done that, um, your goal is to yeah, extract the main features of all of those existing products. And then you will add that to a graph and create some kind of value curve. Okay, let me explain you how to do that. But before I can actually do that, I need to, um, yeah, to explain you a little bit more about this what the strategy canvas actually is. So... In its core, the strategy canvas is just a graph. uh, And it's actually a pretty simple one. But it will help you um, to identify how your competitors um, created their products or what their core um, aspects, their core mechanics, their core value proposition is of the product, of the game. Um, And it will be your baseline um, for creating your own product, your own game on a very high level, of course. So if we look at the graph, what I actually do right now, um, we see two axes. So the horizontal axis describes the different factors of the games. Price, for example, is an attribute that you will typically find in most um, strategy canvas uh, graphs. But honestly, for games, I think it's not the most important um, attribute. to to compare because uh, yeah you know games are so different and um for some kind of games people expect to pay five or ten euros uh, but then you see those uh, those other big big box games which people pay 150 euros for so um if price competition is something relevant for you um Track it, track the price, absolutely, as one of the attributes. Um, for me personally, it isn't too much of a um, differentiator between the between the the games in the strategy card market. Um, other factors, for example, are could or or could be um, let's say um, replayability, for example, or um, tactical depth, or number of players, or all of those different categories um that you can use to differentiate games and i will go a little bit more into the details um, in 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 a minute but um, first of all it's important for you to understand that on the horizontal axis we uh track those competing factors so the categories that um yeah most of the games have at to some degree let's say game length um number of players complexity tactical depth replayability um and so on it can be different for your game absolutely um but those would be or number of number of components or kind of components those could be different different factors that you track on the horizontal axis then you also have um of course, the vertical axis, and this kept cap- this axis captures the um, the level um, of those competing factors. Let's and it's typically I track it from one to five, uh, one being um, low and five being high. So let's say. Um, Price would be one thing, one category that you want to to track. Um, there could be, uh, let's say, a game that costs ten euro that you are going to track in this in those can, this canvas. Um, you would we would probably um, say it is a low price point, and if you have another another one that costs hundred fifty euro, it's a high price point. And there might be games in between. So um, if you um, have the same for number of players for example you then could say a game that can be played uh, solo mode only probably is uh, has a low offering while um, a game that can be played with six players has a high offering so the evaluation the allocation um, is relatively simple for factors um, that have yeah concrete figures but what about something like replayability which is more like I don't know, a personal feeling or so. Maybe it's not exactly a personal feeling, but um, I think you get what I, what what I mean. It's not something you can you can measure in numbers. So um, the goal, really, when you do those um, so interpretation and allocation and evaluation of the different factors, it's not super imp- important to. Um, to have some kind of precise number to to track. It's also fine if it is based on your personal evaluation. Of course, it's better to have some kind of uh, independent reviews that you could use. For example, uh, when it comes to complexity, you could use um, something like the Board Game Geek uh, weight or or so. That could be something that uh, could be relevant to... um, yeah, to 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 add here and gives you some kind of number you can track on the uh, vertical axis without um, yeah without having to do the evaluation yourself. Nevertheless, it's uh, something that you, that you do personally, and you shouldn't spend an incredible amount of time to um, to decide whether something is uh, now on uh, the four point scale or five point scale doesn't matter too much it's more to identify on a high level the value curve of a product okay and that is your task now for um yeah the different um games or product that you identified in the last step you now are going to um yeah draw that um that strategy canvas you do that in in one graph and each game is um, is one line in that graph, and um, all of the different categories or offerings or attributes of those products that you defined is some kind of dot in those in this graph. And when you come when you combine those different uh, dots in the graph, you get a value curve per product. I hope this is. Uh, uh, you can follow me because it's kind of difficult to explain without um, without showing it. The goal really is to um, yeah to explain how the product um, yeah delivers kind of benefit for the customer. And um, yeah, you feel free to add or remove different attributes that you defined um, when you come to the next product or so. That is absolutely fine during the process. That this uh, list on the horizontal axis that it grows and decreases. When it comes to numbers of different factors that you should come up with and try to track, um, I would recommend something like below ten. Also, um, maybe even five. Um, if you have more, you should try to streamline them and simplify because um, one of the biggest advantage of this canvas is that it visually shows you the differences between different products. Um, And um, this will work better if you have less um, attributes. And once you have done that, you have probably um, a good overview of the market. I mean, although this canvas does not contain every game in the market, the games you have chosen previously, um, they should probably represent their markets. Um, Yeah, and that's probably the reason why you should already have a good idea of the market once you have finished this this step. And um, yeah, what you can see, if you think about different kind of games, um, they will be looking really, really similar to the curves that you have already um, created in the graph. Because... Most of the games in those markets are just incremental improvements or not only, not always improvements. They just do something a little bit different, just a tiny thing, a little bit different. But in, in their core, they are pretty similar to already existing games. And um, yeah, that's why most of the games are in a red ocean. Let's look at a game like Magic the Gathering, for example, as we have used it in the past. Um, so... The strategy canvas that I've created um, has only, um, yeah, five five attributes at the moment, and those attributes are complexity, uh, game length, replayability, fairness, or let's call it uh, the independence of luck, um, and tactical depth. And um, if we look at Magic, for example, I would say say they have um, it is a very complex game I gave it a 5 I know there are other more complex games out there and um, um, but for the kind of uh, games that I have here in my little um, analysis it is definitely one of the most complex games so I gave it a 5 rating of 5 game length I gave it a kind of Three three, three to four Um, games can be very long, they can be very short. There's a a huge variance between, uh, in the game lengths of those games, Um, but they are rather long. Um, Then we have uh, the replayability. Uh, Replayability of Magic is, uh, it's awesome. It's incredibly uh, high. I think you can play the game one quadrillion times um, and uh, you didn't even uh, played all of the cards yeah so replayability is super high it's uh, it get, it has a five as well then we come to um, to fairness or the independence of luck and um, i would say this is the uh, yeah I, I gave it a one because uh, I mean, you can get mana flu uh, screwed. You can get mana flooded. Um, you can uh, literally win the game just from the top of your deck because you uh, you drew the the, the the perfect card in the end. So um, I gave it a, a, a low rating on that. Um, if you compare it with chess, for example, where um, yeah you have almost no luck involved um, or no luck uh, at all. Um, and then the last point was uh, tactical depth, um, which I think Magic is absolutely great at. Uh, they have a huge um, um, kind of combination possibilities between the different cards and, um, and you have a lot of uh, things to uh, think through in your turn, in your opponent's turn. You have a lot of interaction, which could have also been a good, uh, a good thing to, 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 to measure and to track. Um, as an attribute, so um, I uh, gave it a five on tactical depth as well. And um, yeah, if you compare that with other trading card games, I would say most of them have an almost identical value curve. Um, there is no not much difference in there. And yeah, let's let's take uh, some kind of super casual card game on the other side. Um, they typically have a super low complexity. They often try to have a, a lower um, game length. They um, have also a lower replayability, oftentimes because they have less complexity. Um, they are, um, yeah, that that kind of depends on the on the on the game. I would say um, they can have luck involved, some have, some haven't. So that kind of depends on the on the game that you choose to, to analyze. Um, and they often have not the same level of tactical depth that um, a CCG like magic brings to the table. Okay, but I think you understood um, how to create those different value curves for the existing products that you want to analyze. And um, yeah, that brings us to the to the next step. And that's probably the most interesting one because we are now creating new value curves. Um, and we try to identify blue oceans now. And um, in order to do so, you have four tools at hand. And those tools are kind of, let's say, questions you ask yourself in order to create new value curves. Okay, the first question you ask yourself is, what factors should be reduced um, well below the industry standard. When I look at the value curve that I just created for The gathering, I think um, something that could be um, reduced is, for example, the um, complexity it creates a, a huge barrier of entry um, for for new customers, and um, yeah, I think this is something that uh, yeah complexity could be reduced. Um, also, uh, yeah, game lengths could be um, could be reduced if we um, look at the industry standard of strategy card games at least. So you go. Over all of the different um, attributes that you have defined, and ask yourself, yeah, could I reduce that, and what would it do to the to the final product, um, or to the market, or to the customer um, benefit in the end? So um, the goal really is to um, yeah reduce the stuff that is kind of unnecessary or doesn't deliver too much value to the customer, um, yeah, and. Instead, do the second thing um, because you also want to raise some things, uh, some factors. Um, So you're going to ask yourself which factors should be raised well above the industry standard. And um, then you, again, go through all of the attributes that you have defined. um, And um, yeah, for example, for Mindbug, my goal or our goal was to... um, uh to raise the uh, fairness i don't know if fairness is the correct word um but we wanted to make the game um uh, less dependent on luck and increase the um the feeling of fairness in the game so that your decisions really matter um and you do not lose to uh, um to, um, a top deck of the opponent so once the game is over and you lost the kind of feeling we wanted is um, that you talk about kind of when did you take the wrong decision uh, that uh, that that was responsible for you losing the game and not thinking about um, the luck of the opponent um, that won him the game or you being un. Unlucky for not drawing that one card that you that you needed. So we wanted to reduce um, luck and increase and raise the 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 feeling of fairness and um, that feeling of own decisions mattering. Okay, so you went through the list um, and tried to reduce attributes, raise attributes, um, and this brings us to the third question, and that question is which factors that the industry takes for granted should be eliminated. So we are going to eliminate attributes completely. And that was really one of the first things or the core idea of creating Mindbug for us um, because we wanted to um, el- eliminate certain things from strategy card games. Um And that was, for example, we wanted to eliminate um, the resource cost to play cards. We wanted to eliminate um, deck building at all. We wanted to eliminate um, card draw and stuff like that. So um, depending on what kind of uh, attributes you defined, go through them and think about um, attributes that you could eliminate completely um, and if that is difficult for you to um, to say I want to eliminate that entire category um, dive a little deeper and think about um, certain characteristics in one of those categories um, I mean I didn't I didn't define um, resource cost or deck building as kind of an, an attribute that I track for all of the games in my canvas. Um, it was, it is more an uh, something that belongs probably to um, yeah complexity, for example. And um, nevertheless, I eliminate very specific game mechanics to uh, then reduce overall complexity in in our case that could be different for you yeah and that leaves us with the final question um, and that question is which factors should be created that the industry has never offered so um you try to raise certain things you write uh, try to um Decrease or reduce certain attributes. Some of them might even get eliminated. But then, at the end, it becomes very interesting. You need to create something new, um, and it needs to be new for your industry. It doesn't need to be completely new. So it could also be something that you steal or copy from, um, yeah, another game or another industry, another product, another service. Um, but it definitely needs to be uh, new. For that kind of industry that you are, um, that you have as your primary market, that you defined as your primary market in the beginning, so it could be, um, it could come from your secondary market that you identified in the beginning, or from your tertiary market. Absolutely, um, that's that's exactly the reason why we added those different markets and um, looked at, at 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 all of them and not only one, because. Um, yeah, there could be something very interesting in in one of those markets, and that um, yeah, that part of creating something new is definitely the most the most complicated one. Um, and uh, yeah, let's take let's take uh, legacy games as an example. Yeah, um, what was what was new there? It was new that you um kind of uh, yeah had components that change over over time that you. Kind of have to destroy components um, that the game kind of remembers the um, state and allows you to 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 really play campaigns and explore new things. That was definitely something new. Yeah. if you look at um let's say dominion as an example um they definitely um raised the part of the deck building yeah because deck building became um yeah the main part of the game while in other games it's only um yeah only a very small aspect of the game but on the other side they reduced the um The gameplay complexity by a lot if you compare it to Magic, for example. All that uh, stuff that happens after the deck building, uh, yeah, was kind of eliminated. At all, there is nothing happening after deck building, um, except maybe uh, counting the 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 victory points or so. Yeah, so um, they would be. uh, a really really good example to to show in the um, blue ocean strategy which i which I didn't didn't do here as an example but um, yeah I think you, you you get what I mean. And um, yeah if we look at uh, again at, at at mindbug because I used it as an example before um, yeah we we really want to reduce complexity compared to strategy card games. We want to reduce the the game lengths. We want to. Um, we think we can also reduce the replayability by a bit. We want to to keep it on a very high level, but uh, I think we don't. We cannot compete with a game like Magic that has twenty thousand cards, and we don't we probably don't have to compete with that. So I think uh, reducing replayability is also fine. We definitely want to raise the fairness of the game. The feeling of uh, yeah. Uh, that the own decisions really matter all of the time. And we want to um, want to have the same tactical depth. And um, yeah, that is definitely our biggest challenge um, that we had uh, by reducing the complexity massively and um, having the same kind of depth in the end. And in order to do so, we also had to to create something new and in our case that is um yeah the mind bug which is kind of a, a new mechanic i haven't seen uh, before in any other game and um yeah it creates these very interesting mind games uh, in each in each turn it kind of uh, adds all of this this interaction um but keeps complexity very low and um, yeah that is kind of the value curve that we have created with um, with with the mind bug Um, there's a little bit more to it it's just the the super high level um, that i wanted to share today today as an example of how uh, such a value curve could look like and um in in this step of creating the value curve, you could uh, play around with different with different value curves. It's not the goal to create one value curve um, and then that's it. You can easily create five value curves and then um, think about what it mo- would mean. Um, what would would it would it be uh, to have a uh, a super complex game with a, a super low game length and no replayability or I don't know yeah um, create these different curves think about how they um, they could look as a game and then create the mechanics for the game afterwards so um, I'm a big fan of this uh, methodology to identify um, blue oceans to identify um, maybe new options new. Things to combine to create new value propositions uh, for your customers in in the game. I hope that was kind of uh, interesting for you today. Um, Let me summarize the the process in a minute or so. As a first step, you identify uh, your primary, secondary and tertiary market. Then you think about different uh, games, products or services in those three markets maybe one or two of each Uh, and once you have done that you um, yeah extract the main features the main product attributes of those different products and services and um, yeah put them into the strategy canvas um, to create the value curves for the different products you identified Yeah, And once you have done that, you think about what kind of um, attributes um, of main features could be eliminated. And also eliminate things (laughs) that you, at the first glance, think are super important and could never be eliminated. Eliminate them and think about what would happen if you do that. And um, then you could also you also uh, think about the attributes that can be reduced the attributes that can be raised and um, new attributes um, that you can create for your product and yeah once you have uh, played around with different with different value curves um, and analyze them which of the the curve that you have created um, is looks the most promising and um, yeah use them as a as kind of your guiding star to um, to create your product your game because um, yeah this is a, a very high level um, strategy that can help you to um, yeah to identify an area that has not been um, yeah marketed by other by other companies by other publishers so far. Um, and it will help you to create new innovative products and identify customers, new customers um, yeah that, that could be interested in in your game. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode and um, yeah if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and um, yeah if you want to um, get the slides that highlight this process, You can uh, get them by clicking on the link in the show notes or uh, visit nerdlikeaboss.com slash blueocean. Until next week, keep swimming in the blue ocean and nerd like a boss. Goodbye.